0: And we'll all do that together. All right. If you've got your program, open it up. We've got a lot to cover. Um, And we're going to be talking about one of my favorite of all time, what a lot of people say is one of their favorite, Christmas carols. And if you weren't here last week, we started with O Come Emmanuel. Um, You can watch that online or you can download it and listen to it online. We're doing a series called Christmas Carols for the holiday season. And I want you to remember there's a big difference between a Christmas song and a Christmas carol. We talked about that last week, that Christmas songs, Christmas music is great. Um, We sing about Santa and trees, and we sing about um, reindeer and presents and decorations, and sometimes Grandma getting run over, and uh, all of those kind of things. Those are good. There's nothing wrong with those. In fact, they often bring back some pretty um, warm memories from our childhood. There's nothing wrong with those, but... Remember that the original music of Christmas, the music that we call call Christmas carols, they were written for more than just nostalgic and traditional reasons. They were written to help tell the world the most important story that's ever been told. And that's how, on that very first Christmas 2,000 years ago, that God stepped out of heaven in the form of Jesus Christ in this baby, as Kristen said, this baby who came to this earth not to, uh, not to be a baby, but to grow up and to die on the cross for our sins so that he could bring, Jesus could bring the hope and salvation to the world. So today we're going to look at O Holy Night, which often is on the top five of everybody's favorite hymn um, because we all like to hit those high notes that are way up there. Um, or maybe you went low like I did this morning. Um, I want to give you kind of the backstory um, because although a lot of people love "O Holy Night," they don't know the uh, the backstory or the the story behind "O Holy Night." "O Holy Night" was written in the mid 1800s, so while in France, over in Europe, so while we were fighting the Civil War, "O Holy Night" was being commissioned by a priest from a a local village parish wanted a poem for Christmas that year. And he approached a local merchant who happened to be a poet and said, I'd like to, his name was Placid Capo or Palisade Capo. I'm going to call him Placid uh, because that's easy for me to say. Placid Capo. And this priest asked him if he would write this poem for his church uh, for Christmas that year. What's interesting is Placid wasn't even a Christian. And not only was he not a Christian, he kind of had, had a reputation he was he was known sort of like a local hellraiser if I can say that on Sunday morning, but he needed the money so he said I'll write you a I'll write you a poem about this uh, Christmas story from Luke chapter two, um, and he did he and he liked his own poem so much that he went to another local friend of his who was in town and asked him to put it to music. And his thought was, you know what, I'm gonna, they're already paying me for this poem, but I'm going to put this to music and give it to, to them as a song. Maybe I get a big tip. Maybe I make some more money out of this in, in, the, in the transaction. So O Holy Night was composed. Um, it was written. The music was given. It was given back to the church. The church loved it. They loved it so much that in the upcoming years, it started to spread all over France and then all over Europe. And everybody liked the song, until the church leaders went back and looked at who composed this song anyway kind of a thing. And when they found out that the person who wrote the song wasn't even a Christian and um, and had kind of a a sketchy, even a dark reputation, the church leaders tried to rein that back in. They tried to reel the the song back in. Um, Cancel culture has been around for a long time, hasn't it? But it was too late. O Holy Night was so widely popular that it spread throughout the world. A little historic note, O Holy Night is the first song ever to be played over the radio. Can you imagine if we had never had songs played on the radio? Can you imagine what the 70s would have been like without songs or 80s? Before MTV, radio was the only place you could hear songs, wasn't it? So, O oh Holy Night kicked all that off, Oh Lord. Um, on Christmas Eve of 1906, a Canadian inventor uh, played O oh Holy Night on his violin was the first song to ever be played over the airwaves, over the radio. And even today, it's been like over 160 years since it was written. It's still in a lot of people's top five, sometimes top three list, the most popular Christmas carols that we sing. And it talks about that O Holy Night, that special night from 2,000 years ago. And we can only imagine what that night must have been like. I don't know about you, but for me, when I see all these nativity scenes in everybody's front yard, or you see them in all these memes that come across your Facebook feed, the nativity for me has always held this fascination. It just seems so peaceful. Do any of you have a nativity scene in your front yard? Just a couple of you? We have a weird one. We have an in, we have an inflatable nativity scene, a couple of angels. But we also have baby Yoda, a Christmas tree, and a frostman. So don't walk by and think theologically it's all okay. Um, but we had one of our neighbors walk by yesterday and she was like, Well, Jesus Mary, and Joseph. And I thought. Yeah, she's kind of right. I, I, don't, I don't think I can have a, a problem with that. So the nativity scene just seems so peaceful when you see all these pictures. You got Mary there, and you got Joseph there, and you got baby Jesus there, and you got all the cows that are lowing, whatever lowing means. But I think when we see these peaceful nativity scenes, it really does a great disservice to what that night. Really must have been like in reality because the reality is you've got a teenage girl who's pregnant By someone who's not her fiance or who has or her husband and that created its own kind of Christmas drama, so to speak She's pregnant by the Holy Spirit Caused a lot of problems for them and then she travels. She has to travel Ladies pregnant nine months pregnant on a donkey so she's riding on a donkey. It's 80 miles as the crow flies, probably just under 100 miles minimum by the roads that they had that day. And she's nine months pregnant. She gets to this new, this town of Bethlehem, and there's no place to stay. As I said last week, Joseph didn't get online. He didn't book through Expedia. There's no room at the end. There's like the supply chain issues everywhere. There's, everything's out of every, everybody's out of everything. And um, and they send them out to what we know is the manger or the stable. In reality, most scholars believe it was probably just an outcropping of rocks, a, 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 an indention in the rocks, almost like a, a little cave where you could pin up some animals. And this is where she was sent, they were sent, to deliver their baby. It's like there's no room, we can stay in this sort of shelter, this, this makeshift cave, and oh my goodness, the baby's coming now. My water just broke. And you can imagine that everything wasn't so nice and perfect. I mean, she's giving birth in probably the worst possible environment. It's dirty. It's not sterile, that's for sure. There was no epidural for Mary. And imagine that after a 100-mile donkey ride, all the chaos of giving birth in this, this dirty little cave, it certainly doesn't feel like an O Holy Night moment that we sing about in this, verse, in this Christmas carol. But in this oh Holy Night carol, there's a, there's a phrase that I want us to focus on. This morning, and it's really my hope that from now on, whenever you hear this song, by the way, we're going to be singing that song also on Christmas Eve, that when you hear this phrase that we're going to focus on, I hope that it kind of jumps out at you every time you sing this song from now on and gives it kind of this carol kind of a deeper meaning because it says a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices and then it continues and yonder breaks A new and glorious morn. You know, if there's two words that could probably accurately or most accurately describe our world today, I think it's these two words. Weary world. There are so many people that I meet, I run into, that I connect with on our prayer request page who are just overwhelmed and exhausted and there's just so much anxiety in our society today, especially in in our kids. Never seen more middle schoolers and even elementary school kids with anxiety like, like they have now. There's so many people who are struggling financially, even, even as we're supposedly sorta of done with this pandemic. Or people who are dealing with sicknesses or people who are having marriage problems or relationship problems or problems with their kids. Kids having problems with their parents. Ultimately, everybody's all stressed out. And it seems there's so many people who are fighting just to keep their heads above water financially or emotionally or relationally. And this is why I think that many people can relate to this small phrase in the middle of this carol, weary world because so many of us kind of feel weary, or we feel the effects of the weary world around us. But what I love about this song is that it also says right before that that there's a thrill of hope. In other words, in the midst of the chaos of this holy night, in the midst of the discouragement of the weary world around us, that there's still this thrill of hope that maybe, just maybe, for those who put their faith in God, for those who are looking for the Messiah for hundreds of years, or the Savior, for those who focus on Him, that that, that things could be different. That there could be a thrill of hope that, that, that this weary world could rejoice in. And that everything would be better. That maybe, just maybe, that if Jesus were to come on the scene he could change the weary world he could change the dark night into this this morning this glorious morn that is breaking and i want to pray that for you today i want to pray that if there's any weary world in your soul right now that you would experience instead the thrill of hope That inside your weary world, that you would find the faith to rejoice this Christmas season. Because even in the midst of chaos and your dark, dark night, if that's what you're going through, there is a new and glorious morning that is breaking or will break very soon. It's coming. So today I want us to not just think about the O Holy Night, but I want us to really think about the next morning when the sun comes up and the Savior is on the scene, and like Josh sang in his song, the King is with us, Jesus is with us, that this new and glorious morning that has broken the dawn, and somehow everything is different because Jesus, Jesus changes everything. So let's focus on this phrase, a new and glorious morning, and And to do that, I want us to go back, back to the Old Testament. And I want to give you kind of a a synopsis of the background of this. This happens back in, we know it's exactly 586 B.C. in the book of Lamentations. And the last prophet, or one of the last prophets, was Jeremiah. He wrote Jeremiah, and he also wrote Lamentations. Lamentations, to lament means to, to complain and to moan and to groan. And um, he writes in 586 B.C. some verses that tie into our O Holy Night song. But before that, let me just give you a little background. What happened significantly in 586 B.C. is the Babylonians conquered Israel and Jerusalem fell. So Jerusalem, the Israelites, they've been defeated. Actually, they've been devastated. In fact, the Babylonians come in and they wipe out so many people and they take captive Anybody they deemed were like the, the cream of the crop. that's why we have the story of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego that we looked at a few summers ago when we looked at the unshakable series. And Jeremiah is left in Jerusalem and they've, they've taken so many, they've ripped people away from their homes, they've ripped people away from their country. His whole, his whole nation has fallen, his homeland, so many people slaughtered and Jeremiah is lamenting that's why it's called lamentations which means he's complaining he's hurting with everyone else and all the mourning that's going on and in chapter 3 in the middle of a weary weary world in the middle of the darkest nights of the really the history of the israelite nation Jeremiah moves and focuses attention on this moment of hope in the middle of all of the chaos that was happening around them. And I love this. Look at this verse from Lamentations 3, chapter 20 through 26, verses 20 through 26 of chapter 3. He says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. He's at tremendous loss. Remember, Jerusalem has fallen. The country's gone. The people he loved have been killed or taken into captivity. So he's gone through a tremendous National and personal loss, dark, dark night. In verse 21, middle of all of that chaos, in the middle of literally the rubble of a conquering force, he says in verse 21, "Yet I still dare to hope." When I remember this, he says, "I'm going to hope." And there's something he remembers that gives him the hope. What is it that he remembers? Verse 22. When I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His, mercy, ne- his mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I want you to underline that phrase, his mercies begin afresh each morning. That ties into our Christmas carol, O Holy Night, a new and glorious morning. And then verse 20 says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to those who search for him. So circle the word hope and circle the word search. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Now right now, some of you watching, some of you attending, you're in the middle of a really dark night in your life. Maybe you feel beaten down by this weary world. So today, I want to show you how Jesus can bring you hope even when your world feels covered by darkness, even when your life feels like the, wor- the weary world around me is pulling me under. And I want us to give us four steps that in the midst of the darkness... If we take these four steps, if we do these four things, we can experience today, we can experience a new day of hope with Jesus. So if you'll jot just a couple of these down, I'm really going to have you write down four words. So experience a new day of hope with Jesus. Number one, I remember, write down the word remember, I remember God's faithful love. I remember God's faithful love. You see... When we're in a dark spot, a dark place, or when we're in this weary world that's around us with everything that's going on, it's easy to feel hopeless. It's easy to feel like there's no way out. There's no way we're going to get out of debt. There's no way we're going to get our marriage back on track. There's no way we're going to get through this medical crisis. And you're in the midst of a weary world. You're in the midst of a dark, dark time when you're thinking that way. And that's why remembering God's love is so powerful. It brings us hope. It reminds us that there's always a way out. That this isn't the end. Even though it seems like it. Even though you've been fighting this pandemic for 18 months now. Even though you've been dealing with whatever chronic situation or chronic illness or whatever you've been, you feel hopeless. But the truth is, there's a new morning coming for anyone who's in that situation. Verse 21 to 23, Jeremiah says, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness, his mercies begin afresh each morning. What does he remember that gives him hope? Well, he remembers that God loves him. We talked about that in the Things I Learned About God series, just this last series, in October. And he says, he remembers that God is faithful, great is your faithfulness. He remembers that God's always going to be there, and that God cares about him. And he remembers that God always does what God says he's going to do. Have I told you that there's like 6000 promises in God's word and God always keeps his word. And he says, "You know, I'm never going to forget that because I'm going to remember this and I will have because I remember I will have hope when nobody else has hope." You see, you you can have hope even if nobody in your family has hope. You can have hope, if nobody in your company, your company is, they're hopeless, you can have hope in spite of what anybody else has or when anybody in your situation has. He says, I can have hope even when nobody else does. I'm going to have hope even though it's completely dark because I know that morning is coming. Because I remember that God's with me, and because God's with me, it always comes. Morning always comes. This is the first step for us to remember the faithful love of the Lord never ends. Yes, it seems dark right now, maybe in your life, but the faithful love of the Lord never ends. The darkness can sometimes trick you. The enemy can sometimes lie to you, tell you that it's going to last forever. It's never going to get any better. This marriage is getting worse. It's never going to get better. It's never going to improve. It's never. It's always been the same. And that it will never end. And you can kind of believe that lie. Often we do. Well, you know what? You should push that aside. Because with God, we know that darkness never lasts. It never wins. With God, the morning always comes. The sun always rises. So right now, you might feel like you're in the middle of a weary world and it's dark, dark, dark. Or you've lost something. Or you've lost someone Important to you and maybe that feels like your whole world is falling apart because somebody died or because somebody walked out or because somebody betrayed Because somebody cheated or cheated you out of something The first thing you need to do is to just stop and remember, you know, I know That God is there because I've seen him do it in other people's lives I've seen him do it in my life those spiritual markers. We always talk about And I remember that God loves me and I remember that he sees me through tough times And I remember that he's going to do it again. And he can do it now. So no matter how dark the time, we've got to remember that Jesus, with Jesus, there's always a new morning. Just like Jeremiah said, I'm going to remember, even though I'm grieving the loss of so many people, I can have hope in the middle of darkness. Because I remember that God, who God is, and what God has done. And that gives me the hope I need to not give up, is what Jeremiah is saying. So when you feel trapped, or if you feel trapped right now, in the middle of your weary world, begin by remembering that God, His love never fails. It never ends. Remember His love and His faithfulness. The second thing to experience a new day of hope today in Jesus. I remember His faithful love. And then number two, I trust God to provide exactly what I need. And you could even write in parentheses, exactly when I need it. I trust God to provide exactly what I need, exactly when I need it. Notice I didn't say exactly what I want, right? Because we know sometimes our needs and our greeds are different, right? Our needs and our wants are different. Sometimes, in fact, what we want is, not, is exactly what we don't need, You know, when we're going through a dark time. We're going through a a tough time in life. We've got to trust that God's going to bring us what we need, and he's going to bring us what we need exactly when we need it. Verse 24, Jeremiah says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Now, what does that mean, the Lord is my portion? Nobody talks like that nowadays. But this is, he didn't write this nowadays. He wrote this. A long, long time ago, 2,500 years ago. What What does it mean that God is my portion? Well, likely what this verse refers to is the time in the Old Testament when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness or in the desert. And every day God provided food for them. Do you know what he provided? Manna. Manna from heaven. You'll hear that as a saying sometimes. It's not a saying. It was a fact. It's what happened to them. That every day, six days a week, they would walk out in the morning and mysteriously there would be this food available for them. Only enough food for for today. Except Except on Friday there was enough to go all the way through Saturday, the Sabbath. I might have gotten that confused in the first service and said Sunday. You know what I mean. And here was the weirdest thing about it. You couldn't, you couldn't like, there was just enough. But you couldn't like store it up. If you tried to store it or you tried to hoard it, it would turn rancid. It would go bad. It would be full of maggots. It was just, except on Friday you could store enough up for the next day. That had to blow their mind. They would be going, you know, how, how is this possible? Here's what God was trying to teach them. God was trying to teach them to trust him day by day. Trust him every single day. So every morning they got just enough for that day. And you couldn't, um, you couldn't store it up, or it would go bad. And Jeremiah is saying, so I'm calling this to my mind, and I say to myself out loud, God is my daily portion. He's saying, God, even in the midst of this darkness, even in the midst of a national crisis, even in the midst of this, this public mourning, you are exactly what I need today. And the good news is God is not only here today to give you exactly what you need to today. God is in tomorrow already, and he already has what you need tomorrow when you get to tomorrow. Now, he doesn't give you what you need tomorrow today. That's how we are. We like to have what we need tomorrow. I'd like to have it today and the next day and the next day and the next month and the next year because because really our trust is in what God provides rather than in him who provides it. And that's a problem. We're like, if I could just have a year's worth, or I could just have a whole retirement worth, then I could put my trust in then I'd be fine, you and me be fine. God. And God's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm not going to give you all that. That's why the economy's going to continue to go up and down. God doesn't want our trust in any of those things. He wants our trust to be in Him, and He will provide daily what we need. And He has already tomorrow and the next day what we need tomorrow and the next day. And Jeremiah is saying, in the middle of this, God, you are what I need. So, if your marriage is struggling today, God has everything you need to get you through the day. And if it's struggling tomorrow, he already has what you need tomorrow, what your marriage needs tomorrow. And if you're weak today, God can give you strength for today. And when you get to tomorrow, he already has your strength that you need for tomorrow. And if you feel like you've lost your way, you can just follow God today. And when you get to tomorrow... You know what he already has his plan and his path picked out for you so that he can get you to where you need to be. And if you're feeling depressed and you're feeling down today and you head into tomorrow, God already he's your joy tomorrow. He's the one who's going to lift your head and lift you up because every new day that comes, Jesus brings exactly what you need exactly when you need it. You need God, you need the presence of God in your life. And He is already waiting for you to get there as He leads you there today. To give you His strength, His presence, His power, His plan, His perseverance. So the first thing we do, we've got to remember God's love. His faithful love endures forever. And then we trust that God's going to give us everything we need exactly when we need it. And here's the third step to experience a new day of hope with Jesus. I have to depend on God for the hope to keep going. Even the hope comes from Him. This thrill of hope that we sing about in O Holy Night, the thrill of hope in the midst of a weary world, the thrill of hope when all we can see is darkness, the thrill of hope when all we can see is is all the negatives of the world. The thrill of hope is the belief that the morning's going to come In the midst of all the chaos. He says in verse 25, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. Those who search for Him. I had you circle hope and search. Human beings cannot survive very long without hope. And there are a lot of people who are not really living because they've given up hope. Or somewhere along the line they've lost their hope. Something happened or something is happening in their life and it's causing them to, to lose their hope. And there's just too many people trying to survive without hope, struggling to find something that they can put their hope in. And in our search, we often put our hope in exactly the wrong thing to hope in. Some people put their hope in the stock market. It's not a very safe place to put your hope right now, is it? Oh, it's been great, Jerry's just go up and up and up. Well, you haven't been paying attention the last 30 days. Peaked about a month ago, the Dow did, and it's dropped about five percent since then. Don't go look at your retirement account today. I'm warning you. It's volatile. Some people put their hope in their job. So I've been there for so many years, but what you can't control, apparently you can't control a worldwide pandemic, can we? Apparently you can't control. Worldwide supply chain issues. Who ever heard of that? People losing their jobs because there aren't any cars to sell or aren't any houses to sell. Why? Because they're all sold, and and it's it's craziness. We've never seen this before. And even if you didn't have that, you have the possibility of some big company is going to gobble up your medium-sized company before you gobble up a little company, and they're going to say, well, hey, we got three of you. We don't need three of you. We only need one of you, and you're not one. And they can send you packing. So I can't put my trust in my job. I can't put my trust in my my retirement or my 401K or the the stock market. Whenever we put our hope in the wrong people or we put our hope in the wrong things, we end up weary and hopeless. And we begin to wonder if there's anything good. By the way, the more you listen to 24-hour cable news, the more weary the world becomes, doesn't it? There's always bad news. Bad news, America. Somebody's shooting some, someone. There's another massacre this week. There was one last week. Evil is around us in this world all over. So Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep His promise. And I love this picture because he says, let us hold tightly to the hope that God can be trusted. He's saying, listen, you've got to grab hold of hope, the hope that we have in Jesus, and don't let go. And everybody's like, Amen, yeah, grab hold of Jesus, don't let go. But that's a challenge for us because we, as Christ followers, you know what we do a lot? We let go. We let go of our hope in Jesus. And we grab onto the fear, or we grab onto the worry, or we grab onto the doomsday from your Facebook feed or, or Twitter feed, or we grab grab onto the the nearest whatever the situation is, and we we pick up anxiety, we pick up worry, we pick up the weary world around us, and it drags us down. And we let go of God's truth and we hold on to the lies of the evil one. That this night is going to last forever, that it's never going to get any better, that the world's going to the hell in the handbasket, as they say, and that the morning's never going to come. But if Jesus is in your life, the morning always comes. I can't tell you how many people I've had conversations with, and when they lay their life out, you're just like, yeah, I can understand why you're so discouraged. I can understand Well, you just are hopeless. I can understand why you just want it all to end, all the pain to end. Because they've lost hope. They've given up hope. They've lost their career. They've lost their marriage. Or they've lost a loved one. Or they've got cancer. Or they've got Alzheimer's. Or they've got somebody who has Alzheimer's they're dealing with. Or they've lost all their money. And they give up hope. Because they put their hope in something that wasn't reliable in the first place. Something that could be taken away from them. And when it was gone, when it was all gone, they felt so hopeless. And they were so hopeless. And I say to them, I look at them, and I tell them, and I say, Listen, I know it doesn't seem like it right now. I say this all the time. But if you would put your hope in Jesus Christ right now, if you could grab back a hold of him. I know it seems like it's the middle of the night. But if you could just hold on to Jesus through this darkness the sun, I feel like singing like Annie, the sun will come out tomorrow. You know, tomorrow, tomorrow. You know, the truth is, the sun will come out tomorrow. It comes from these verses. Not Broadway. But it's the truth that the sun will rise tomorrow. Guaranteed. Why? Because for thousands of years, the sun has come up. Every single day. And I know there's somebody here or listening in online that needs to hear this. Because right now you're going through the darkest of nights in your marriage, in your life, in your health situation, in your relationship with your kids or your parents, in your finances. I mean, you're going through hell right now. You know, I had a pastor friend of mine that said, you know what you you do when you're going through hell, right? Keep going. Don't stop. You got to keep on going. Because the morning is coming. So if you're in the middle of a, of a deep, dark world, and it's, you're believing that lie or believing that fear, that some lie that someone's told you that the night's never going to end, don't lose hope. Don't give up. You're going to get, God's going to get you through this one of the things I say as a pastor more than anything else God's going to get you through this. Yeah, but what if she doesn't what if he doesn't what if they don't come back? What if it doesn't matter what anybody else does God will get you through this if you'll put your hope in him I've seen it thousands of times In the lives of real people in this church not just stories, but real people Don't lose hope don't give up don't surrender don't give in to the hopelessness because the sun is going to come up. There's going to be a glorious morning waiting for you. God always brings a new morning. Yes, it's a weary world. But in spite of all the weariness, we can latch on to this thrill of hope and we can rejoice because with Jesus, there's a new day coming. And remember this to experience the Hope of with Jesus, if you're in the middle of this dark cloud, what do you gotta do? You gotta you gotta remember God's faithful love. You gotta trust God that He's gonna provide everything that you need when you need it, and you gotta depend on God for the hope to keep on going. And finally, number four, if you'll fill this in. This is the hardest one, I'll admit. This is the most difficult one. I gotta wait. I hate that part i got to wait on God for the help I'm seeking. It's well known that I hate waiting. I'm not the most patient guy in the world. You probably hate waiting too. And this can be tough because sometimes we're like, well, Jesus, I'm holding on to you. you go, God, I'm holding on. I'm holding on for your life. What do I do next? Wait. Yeah, 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 but what do I do? Well, I'm waiting. Wait. Heck yeah, but I'm not doing anything. I need to do something while I'm... Like, no, waiting is doing enough. Waiting is a lot. Some of us have a hard time waiting. We don't wait very well. Sometimes there's nothing for us to do but to wait on God. Wait for the sun to come up. It will come up. But like Christmas for little kids, it seems like it's taken forever to get here, Pastor. Lamentations 3.26, so it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Now there's some of you here today, there's some of you watching online, and the truth is you need salvation for your soul. Things are not going to get better for you until you you say yes to Jesus. You need to say yes to Jesus. You need to be saved and you need to be forgiven. The whole reason that the Savior came to this world 2,000 years ago is to save you. From you. And before you leave today, or before you turn off your computer today, or your TV today, you need to find salvation for your soul and know that you're going to spend all of eternity in heaven with God as one of His children, with all the rest of us. You need salvation for your soul. But there's some of you who are already Christ followers, you have a relationship with God, and you need salvation. Not for your soul, you need salvation today from your dark, dark night. You need salvation from the weary world who's pulling you under. You need to be saved from the difficult situation that you're in. I am always amazed, when I'm reading scripture and seeing it in other people's lives, I'm always amazed at the difference that just one day with Jesus can make. I can never overstate this. When you're in the toughest of situations, I just say, you know, if you would put your hope in Jesus, you cannot believe but one day, just tomorrow, will bring just one sunrise difference. One day with Jesus changes everything. No matter who you are, no matter how far you've drifted from God, no matter how hard you've hardened your heart. In the New Testament, there was this guy named Lazarus. Lazarus died. He had been dead for four days. They had given up hope. And Jesus rolls up and says, roll that stone away. And the King James even says, but but master, he stinketh. You know, this is how bad it was. He, he stinketh, as if that's a word that we say every day. And Jesus, after they rolled the stone away, said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus rode from the dead. If Lazarus was able to be here today to stand next to me, you know what he'd tell you? He'd say, Look. You have no idea what a difference it makes to have just one day with Jesus. One day with Jesus, it's amazing the difference it can make. There was a woman in the New Testament who had been sick for 12 years with some kind of blood bleeding disorder. Can you imagine the humiliation and the pain and the quarantine they had her under? I mean, can you imagine how she was segregated? This was before Zoom. She had no job, you know. The struggle, and then one day she touches the hem of Jesus' robe and she's healed instantly. Twelve years worth of sickness healed. If she could stand before you here today, you know what she would say? She said, It's amazing what just one day, the difference one day with Jesus can make. There's another guy in the New Testament who had been born crippled, had never walked for 38 years in his life. He's laying by this pool that superstitiously would would swirl up every now and then and heal someone and he was waiting for his miracle every day of his life and his miracle never came. Have you ever felt that way, like you really needed a miracle and your miracle just wasn't coming? Yet Jesus walks in one day and says, pick up your mat and follow me, and he did. If that guy could stand before you today, Here's what he would say. He'd say, it's amazing the difference just one day with Jesus can make. All of those people, all those stories had two things in common. They were in the middle of their darkest, darkest night. A weary world. But one encounter with Jesus changed everything. And I think there's somebody here today or watching online, you're kind of in that same situation. You, you need that thrill of hope. that this is going to end. This chapter is going to be over and the darkness is going to dissipate and there's going to be a glorious morning coming. Maybe it's your marriage. You feel like this marriage is never going to be what it, what it could be or what it should be. I'm telling you, it's amazing the difference that one day with Jesus can make in your marriage. Maybe it's in your relationship with your parents or your kids and they're just driving you crazy. Kids are driving parents crazy and parents are driving kids crazy. It's amazing what one day with Jesus can make in your relationship or your career or your life or your finances. Maybe your life's not where you hoped it would be. You had a different plan in your mind than your reality. It's amazing the difference one day with Jesus can make. Some of you right now, it feels like the darkness is closing in, like there is no room at the end and the baby's coming, and you have no hope for any epidural for the pain. And all of a sudden, in the middle of your darkness, in the middle of this craziness that you're going through in 2021, you show up at church, or you tune in online, and some guy's talking about how Jesus can make a difference, and that would have made no sense to you yesterday, but today, it's like, this is my only hope. And it's true. It's your best and only hope. And all of a sudden, you're faced with what Paul writes about in Romans chapter 13 where he says, this is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up! For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. And the day of salvation will soon be here. And your darkness is nearly over because the sun is going to rise. And the reality is your real darkness is nearly over. Because the sun, S-O-N, the son of God is going to rise. For some of you, you need the salvation for your soul. For others of you, you're already a believer. You need salvation from this dark, dark night. The night's almost over. The day, the morning, the glorious morning is coming. Let's pray. If you don't mind bowing your head and closing your eyes, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to ask a couple of you to raise your hands. I don't want anybody looking around. Just every head bowed and every eye closed, wherever you are. If you're at home, Watching online, you don't have to watch the screen. You can, you can close your eyes. This is just a time between you and God. I want to ask you a question. Are you in the dark, dark night right now? For some people, Christmas can be the darkest time. When you're dealing with illness or a financial crisis or a family fight, or you're all by yourself. You're dealing with broken relationship and loneliness. It's tough. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if if you're in the middle of a dark night and you need prayer, I'm not even going to look around. Would you just lift your hand right now? God sees it. I'm not even looking. Nobody's looking. Just lift your hand and say, "I'm in a dark cloud right now, a dark storm. I need, I need prayer. Because I want to pray for you." Okay, you can put your hands down if you got them up. Some of you need hope. You need hope right now. You need people who will stand in the gap and pray for you. So, right now, God, I want to pray for those hands that you saw raised. Those who are going through a dark, dark time right now, God, may they not let go. May they not give up hope. Maybe they've been holding on to the lies of the evil one, that this night is going to last forever. God, help them to hold on to you and to know that when our faith is in you, the morning is going to come. And I pray that the morning will come sooner than later in their lives. Now, I want to take a moment and pray for those of you who may need salvation for your soul. It's interesting with O Holy Night that a non-Christian wrote this song. The author of the hymn knew the story about Jesus' birth. But he didn't know Jesus. That means you can know about Jesus, but not really know him. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've tried everything you can to find meaning in life, but all you found is emptiness. Maybe you grew up believing in God and you thought, well, you know what? I'll, I'll just be a good person, I'll live a good life. But that doesn't get you to God, that doesn't get you to heaven. You're just stuck in the middle of a weary world. Well, the hope that you can have is in Christ Jesus. So if you walked in today without a real relationship with Jesus and you want that salvation today, every head's bowed, every eye's closed, even mine. If you want that salvation today, would you just raise your hand? If you need salvation for your soul, raise your hand and you can put your hand down. God saw it. God, I want to thank you for each person who raised their hand. And I want to pray for those who raised their hands, who right now, they want a real relationship with you. And I pray, as I pray this in your heart, those of you who did respond, I want you to pray this in your mind. Just pray this prayer back that I'm praying. And just say, Jesus, I believe in you. If you believe in Jesus, say, Jesus, I believe in you. And I believe that you give hope. Pray that. I believe that you give hope. And I believe that you died for my sins. Pray that. I believe you died for my sins. And I want to follow you. Come into my life. So I can have a relationship with you. So that I can know God and love God. Pray that. So I can know God and love God. And so that I can know that my eternity and my future is secure in you. And then you can say amen. Father, we thank you that even in the darkest of nights, even in the weariest of worlds, that we can have the thrill of hope. Because with Jesus, with our Savior, at Christmas time, we are constantly reminded that a glorious morning is coming. And we pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hi, it's Mel. I hope that what you heard this morning will make this holiday season the most meaningful yet. Be sure to be with us again next week as we look at O Come All Ye Faithful from a new perspective. Enjoy your Sunday. See ya.